Welcome to Mystery Books Podcast, where you'll discover new mystery books and authors. I'm USA Today bestselling mystery author Sarah Rosette. This episode is all about the unpleasantness at the Bologna Club by Dorothy L. Sayers. Published in 1928, The Unpleasantness at the Bologna Club is book five in the Lord Peter Whimsey series. Here's the blurb. Even the Bologna Club's most devoted members would never call it lively. Its atmosphere is that of a morgue, or at best, a funeral parlor. And on Armistice Day, the gloom is only heightened. The veterans of the Great War gather at the Bologna Club not to hash over old victories, but to stare into their whiskeys and complain about old injuries, shrinking pensions, and the lingering effects of shell shock. Though he acts jolly, Lord Peter Whimsey finds the holiday grim. In this armistice day, death has come to join the festivities. Here's the first line. In his dialogue, this is someone speaking to Lord Peter. What in the world, Whimsey, are you doing here in this morgue? demanded Captain Fintiman, flinging aside the evening banner with the air of a man released from irksome duty. So we're in the club with Whimsey and his friend, Captain Fentiman. So I love the way the book begins. It's a very funny first chapter. The tone of this book is like this first chapter. It's very uh, light, funny, joking, kind of jaunty. Um, Even though it deals with some very grim, serious topics, the overall tone of the book is very light. So this book, it was a reread for me, and I found it held up very well. I enjoyed the mystery. It was well plotted, and it was a fairly clued mystery. So if you're trying to solve the mystery along with the sleuth, you're able to do that. Um, it had an unusual structure. The first half, Whimsy is focused on trying to answer a question of when General Fentiman died. Now, Captain Fentiman in the first line is not General Fentiman, a relative of his. And I don't think that's a huge spoiler that General Fentiman dies because it happens in the first chapter. So he dies, and there is a question, a legal question, because of his, the way his will is written. When he died is important to find out because that impacts the inheritance. So basically, Whimsy is asked to look into this. It's known that he's good at sorting out these different problems and issues around death and murder. So will you check this out, basically, as he's asked. And so he begins to look into it. The second half is when you get to the murder mystery, where you realize that there's more to his death than meets the eye. Now, Lord Peter is the main character in this, and it takes place in London in 1928. And the narration, we get some of what's going on in Lord Peter's thoughts, some but not all. So it's more an omniscient narration. So we're seeing his actions, but we don't get all of his thoughts. And that is one way that uh, Sayers makes the allows us to be sleuthing along with Lord Peter because we see what he's doing and the questions he's asking, but we don't get the answers and we don't get his internal thoughts as he figures out some of the clues. That's kind of veiled from us so that we're able to sleuth along with him. In this, we also get the discussion of PTSD or what they called shell shock then. So that's sort of moving into the themes. And that is one of the main themes of the book. And Sayers deals with this in such depth. She shows us how it impacts different characters in different ways. And she shows us how the social economic situation of the different characters, how it either helps them or hurts them when they're trying to deal with the effects of World War I. Another theme of this is the class divide. There's a lot of divisions in this. There's the class divide. And we see that especially in the contrast between George and Whimsy. So George is 
one of the people that Whimsy knows from the war and how they each have dealt with their time in the war shows the impact of class on that. And then you also have the division of old and new. There's the modern era where things are different now. And you get that a lot. A lot of characters refer to, oh, well, things are different now. Then you have the kind of old school versus modern way of doing things. The word unpleasantness comes up in this book many times. It's in the title, but it comes up in the dialogue again and again. And unpleasantness unpleasantness to me makes me think of like a disruption, an inconvenience, you know, something that's sort of minor, but in typical understated Brit fashion, this is the word that is used in this book to refer to a lot of the impacts of World War I. So you have people who are dealing with all ranges of of impacts in their life from this PTSD that they're experiencing, which they called shell shock. Um, You have a whole range of impacts. You have physical things that happen to people and they have to deal with their physical problems. Then you have the psychological aspect. Then you have the economic aspect. And Sayers does a great job of showing all these different impacts through the different characters. So you see George and Whimsy dealing with the psychological impacts. George has some physical impacts that he has to deal with. And then you have the economic um, contrast in their lives. And that's another theme of the book is the class divide. So you have George who is scraping, his family is just scraping along, trying to make ends meet. And then you have Lord Peter who is very wealthy. And um, it's interesting to see how they each deal with PTSD and shell shock with the class that they're part of and how that either helps them deal with it, sort of like shelters them and gives them some additional resources or really makes things worse. Another theme in this book is friendship. You've got Lord Peter and then you have Charles, his friend who works in the police. And I really enjoyed seeing how they work together and they do have a little kind of disagreement and how they kind of get through that. So it's a very interesting portrayal of male friendship that I don't think that we see a whole lot in golden age fiction. Okay, so let's talk about tropes. The first one, most obvious, is the gentleman detective. Whimsy is sort of the prototype of this. I mean, there were other gentleman detectives in mysteries before this series was written by Dorothy Sayers, but I think Lord Peter Whimsy has given us a character that we can look back on and we still read today and enjoy. I'm actually surprised that there are no recent adaptations of this for television or movie movies. I think that there have been a couple of TV shows in the seventies and eighties. I haven't seen them. I'll have to see if I can find them. But um, I think that with the success of Downton Abbey and different shows that are period specific Perot in particular, I'm surprised that the Hollywood or Acorn or BritBox or somebody hasn't made this into a new series, given it a refresh. So I hope that happens. But anyway, back to the gentleman detective. So Lord Peter seems to be just a silly fop. Like if you just glanced at him and you listened to him speak, you would probably think, oh, he's just a wealthy fool. But as a reader, we know that he is actually quite clever and he is oftentimes fine with letting other people underestimate him, basically. Another uh, trope we have is the faithful friend or servant in Bunter. The scenes between Bunter and Lord Whimsy are some of my favorite. That was what actually hooked me on reading the Lord Peter books was the first scene in Whose Body when uh, I 
won't have the quote exactly, but when Lord Peter tells Bunter that a dead body has been discovered and Bunter says how very gratifying, you know, that was just like, okay, I was in from that moment for this story and for seeing how their relationship progresses. So the interesting thing about Bunter is two things. He takes care of Lord Peter. And so because of Bunter, in many ways, he helps Lord Peter through these difficult instances where he's dealing with shell shock. But he goes beyond just being a servant. He actually has a role in the stories in the mystery aspect. He takes photographs and he's involved in the detection. A related aspect to that is that if you are interested in like vintage CSI, then you would enjoy this book because it's, they talk about fingerprints and photographs and autopsy and rigor mortis. So um, yeah, it's like early CSI. Okay, so let's do some read-alikes. If you enjoy um, books by Agatha Christie, but you wish there was more character development, then I think you'll enjoy probably all of the Lord Peter series, but I would definitely recommend this one because you get to see Lord Peter changing and dealing with relationships with different people and how his investigation is impacting him. If you enjoy Downton Abbey or your fans, like I said, of CSI, then you're interested in how the scientific investigation of crimes developed, then this book could be really interesting for you. Other read-alikes would be if you're interested in uh, mysteries between the wars with male protagonists, I would recommend A Gentleman's Murder by Christopher Wong, and that's spelled H-U-A-N-G. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. And then um, that's excellent. I'm going to be talking about his second book, which is just coming out soon. I'm doing another episode on his second book called Unnatural Ends, and it's excellent. Uh, I highly recommend A Gentleman's Murder as well. So you could look for that. And then another male protagonist in Between the Wars series is Freddie Pilking Pilkington Soames series. Book one in that is called A Case of Blackmail in Belgravia. And the Freddy books have the same tone as the Lord Peter books, very light and funny and uh, quick pace. So those are lots of fun, too. Now, A Gentleman's Murder has a more serious tone to it, but it has that very uh, 1920s, 1930s Agatha Christie vibe that you don't find that often in modern mystery. So it is a contemporary author, but it's set in the golden age of fiction. Another book you might enjoy is my own book called Murder in Black Tie. It's part of the High Society Lady Detective series. It has themes dealing with shell shock and World War One and the effects of that and how it impacts a family that Olive is very close to. So I'll put a short clip of that at the end of this in case you're interested in the audiobook. So my question for you is, have you read any Lord Peter Whimsy books and do you have a favorite? You can answer the question on Instagram. I'll be there at Sarah Rosette, no H on Sarah and no E on Rosette. Or you can leave a comment on the show notes for this episode, which will be at sarahrosette.com forward slash unpleasantness. Here is Elizabeth Clett reading Murder in Black Tie. So Dean is here at Parkview for the party. My last words were drowned out as Dina revved the engine of the Alfa Romeo. Wheels spun, flinging mud that splattered onto the road near the back of the Morris. Gwen took a few quick steps, moving nearer the Morris's bonnet. I let the Morris roll forward a few feet, out of the range of the mud. Gwen looked as though she'd like to call Nanny and have her take charge of Dina, but she drew a breath and shouted between the roars of the engine, Dina, it's only getting worse. 
Come away. I promise we'll have your motor back at Parkview before dinner. Dina cut the engine. Oh, all right. I suppose we'd better. I do hope they're quick about it, though. I'll see to it, Gwen said, as Dina climbed out of the low motor and slammed the door. Dina was dressed head to toe in gold. Her hat was the same shade as a sovereign and covered every strand of hair, which highlighted the fact that her face was a long, narrow oval. She'd always reminded me of the illustrations in Father's books of Byzantine saints, with their elongated faces and mournful expressions. I recognised Dina's hat as one of Madame Lefoy's priciest creations. I'd briefly considered working in the haberdashery, and I'd seen the beautiful cloche with its trailing feathers and embroidery in that establishment. Dina's mink-collared wool driving coat was of the same shade of gold. She took a few steps on her tiptoes, in an effort to keep her gold T-strap shoes out of the mud, but then she stopped and swivelled back to the motor. Mr. Quigley, we mustn't forget him. Mr. Quigley? I asked Gwen. Who's Mr. Quigley? I didn't remember a guest named Mr. Quigley either. Gwen let out a tiny sigh. A parrot. I wasn't sure I'd heard her correctly, but Dina leaned over the side of the motor and lifted out a birdcage. It rocked to the accompaniment of squawks and flapping wings as she minced across the mud. Don't worry, boy, I've got you. Dina climbed up the bank of sodden grass. A moment before she reached us, her foot slipped and she pitched forward. Gwen caught her elbow and an edge of the birdcage. Dina said, Whoops! Thank you, Gwen. Inside the cage, the bird rotated its head and fixed an eye on Gwen's fingers. She jerked her hand back. Oh, you don't have to worry about Mr. Quigley. He never bites. Dina propped the cage on the edge of the door at my eye level. Hello, Olive. Isn't he just the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen? Mr. Quigley rocked on his perch. He's not brightly coloured, I said. The feathers fluffed up around his head and neck, as if he were displaying the gradual transition of colour from nearly white at his head to a pearly grey at the tips of his wings. His tail feathers were a bright red. No, he's an African grey, an extremely expensive parrot, and the most intelligent too. Clearly, Dina rated the intelligence of the parrot as of secondary importance compared to the cost. How did you come to have a parrot? I asked her. I wanted a pet to keep me company, but simply everyone has a dog or a cat. I had to have something unusual, something memorable. Mr. Quigley certainly is that, I said. Even with his muted colouring, which resembled the clouds today, he looked exotic and out of place in the English countryside. How long have you had him? Six days. I simply couldn't leave him at Charles Manor. Parrots need plenty of interaction. Gwen said, Dina thought Mr. Quigley should see the village. Mr. Quigley let out a high-pitched whistle that pierced the air. Goodness, I said, what does that mean? Dina smiled like an indulgent parent. He's saying hello. Gwen said, he's been doing that for the last hour. I see. That sharp noise within a short distance of one's ear would become irritating. 
Does he say anything? Oh, yes, he's quite chatty. His previous owner spoke to him all the time and trained him to say many things. Is it salty language? I glanced at Gwen. Aunt Caroline wouldn't be happy to have a parrot spouting naughty words during her party. Oh, no, his former owner was a missionary. That was Elizabeth Clett reading Murder in Black Tie, which is part of the High Society Lady Detective series. You can find it in audiobook, ebook, and print. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.